0: What we've got is a bunch of scriptures that we're going to look at again today, looking at the full complement of what scripture has to say on a specific topic that maybe culture has run away with a little bit. And so we're going to tackle, uh, tackle a great question, because nobody likes to be misquoted, right? We've talked about this for the past couple of weeks. Here's a, a comic that—this um, uh, guy's no longer doing comics, and I'm kind of sad about it. It, it was a guy named—I uh, don't know what his name is, but his comic strip was called reverendfun.com. Um, and he did these great little comics um, that were biblical, and he got this one, it was about being misquoted. I guess it wasn't the needle through the camel, sorry. Because um, there's a Bible verse that says, uh, camel through the eye of a needle. And if you get that backwards, your poor camel doesn't have a good day. Um, and so getting the, getting the scripture verse right is very important, because as in this case, a camel could die if you quote scripture wrong. What we want to do when we talk about God and his word is make sure that we quote it appropriately, accurately, and apply it to our lives in the same way. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, God's word is truth, and when we distort it, it has the ability to lead people away from God rather than towards God. And we don't want people to be led away from God. We want people to be led towards God. So we must understand what God's word says and quote it appropriately. So two weeks ago, we looked at God wants you to be happy. That's something that we say in culture a lot and why that's not necessarily the exact truth. God delights in our happiness, but not when it leads us to sin or to harm others or to break relationship with him or other people. Uh, God desires more so our holiness, and when we draw close to God in holiness, we find a happiness we can't otherwise have apart from him. That was the first week. Uh, Last week, we looked at God helps those who help themselves, right? Right. And it's the idea that if I just work hard enough, then whatever I want, I will get. Because if God sees me working, then he will bless me as I'm working. Because God will help me because I've already started helping myself. The problem with that is we are in such a spiritual state of condition that we cannot dig our own selves out of sin. So we can't begin to help ourselves there. So if that's true, what hope do we have to ever be saved from our sin? Let alone the things that happen to us in life that are difficult that we can't escape and we can't do anything about. Now, God does not leave us helpless. He helps us. When we are helpless. So that's been the past two weeks. Um, And today we're going to tackle something that we've probably all encountered. And the fancy term for it is called religious pluralism. Am I not on? Okay. How about that? That better? Okay. Um, So the fancy term for what we are talking about is called religious pluralism. Um, And uh, you guys might not be familiar with that term, but perhaps you've heard it phrased something like this. There are many paths that lead to God. Have you guys heard that before? Do you guys have friends that subscribe to this idea? Yeah, I I do too. I have family members that subscribe to this idea. The idea that, you know, um, my path is this way and your path is this way, but it's okay because we all end up in the same place. I've heard this numerous times. Or, you know, this works for me and me and God have an agreement and I'll get there eventually. And this is the kind of phraseology that we hear. Uh, But we need to understand as Christians, this isn't true. And we need to understand why so that when we encounter friends or family members or co-workers that might say, my path gets me to God just like your path gets me to God, we can hear that and go, A, that's not true. B, I can love them even though they believe this, and and C or three, whichever one I'm on. um, I can have some ways to talk to them that will help them understand my viewpoint Without necessarily pushing them away in relationship, we want to be able to have good dialogue with people who believe different things and love them and serve alongside of them and pray for them. Um, But we also want to be able to know the truth so that we can speak into it when the opportunity arises. So, the world would say this you should think of God as a mountain, He sits on top of a big mountain, and there are many paths to the top of this mountain, and some paths are easier, and some paths are harder, and you choose the path that is best for you, and you take that path all the way to the top of the God Mountain, and there you will find whatever it is that you are looking for, and it might be different than what I'm looking for, but if you take your special path, and I take my special path, it's all going to be okay, and we don't talk bad about each other's special paths. this is what the world will say to us there are many roads up the same mountain they all arrive at the same concept at the top that there is a god and in some way shape or form you have some side of relationship with this god the problem with that is it's just not true the word of god which we believe to be living and active um speaks to our hearts convicts us changes us grows us to be more like his son jesus um, tells us that uh, this couldn't be further from the truth. There is not many paths to the same God. There is but one path, and his name is Jesus, and that's what we're going to look at today. Um, in the past couple of weeks, what I've done is I've, like, shared all of the heresy and the things that are wrong, and then the second half of the sermon is, here's what we believe. I'm going to jump back and forth today because I want to make sure that we understand these topics. So I'm going to go back and forth, and I'll try and make it clear for us when we're talking about what's not true— versus what's biblically true so the first thing that's not true if we believe that there are many paths up the god mountain and everybody's path is valid then it teaches us this that all religions are equal this is something that culture has come to believe if there are many paths up the same mountain aren't all religions equal aren't all paths equal aren't all faith systems equal if they all get you to the same place they must all have equality status and um This basically teaches us that at the roots of each religion in the world, at the root of it, at the core of it, they all teach the same value system. That they all have the same standards by which they judge man and morals and relationship with whatever deity they hold high. And when it comes down to it, if you look at just a cross-section of any handful of greater religions or faith systems in the world... They are not all equal and they do not all have the same core values and they do not all teach the same concept about god and man and so when we think if there are many paths to the same god they must be teaching the same thing but let's look at just four examples okay from i mean dip your hand in the religion bucket of the, of the world okay and i'm going to pull out four and tell you a little bit snapshot of what they believe and see if they can be reconciled to be equal, okay? Now make sure I get this right. I want to, I don't want to do anything injustice here. Buddhism, you familiar with the, okay? Um, They deny the existence of an external creator God, okay? They deny an external creator God. They also deny moral guilt and sin. There is no striving for eternal life because there's nothing to be saved from, okay? That's what one path up the world's mountain (coughs) says. Mormonism states that Jesus is the son of God, and the brother of the devil, okay? but that God was once a man like we are a man, and he worked hard enough and became a God, and the ultimate hope is that you can work hard enough, men, not women, <coughs> men can work hard enough and become gods of their own worlds as well. It also teaches that salvation for and <laughs> salvation and potential God status rests on your good works and accepting Joseph Smith as the prophet of God. In its teachings, it explicitly states, Jesus' sacrifice was not fully able to cleanse people of sin. And that's different from Buddhism, right? Drastically different. Um, How about the New Age movement? Um, New Age movement is kind of like this, um, I've heard it phrased, a college of hopes and dreams. It's just kind of like choose your electives and put it together and you have what you want it to be. So you pick and choose from various religions and teachers, but overall it would hold that man is the central entity in the faith system. Man is divine, and man, within man, rests the um, hope for eternal peace and unity among the world. Um, There is a God, but he is impersonal, and he does not relate to humanity or hold humanity to any standards. That's what the New Age movement will say. And then biblical Christianity, which we ascribe to, what the Word of God teaches us, is that there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and God created this beautiful world for his humanity, creation to live in, and set some standards for us to live by. We weren't able to keep those standards, but he paved a way for us to have relationship with him through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins in our place. He died, was buried, and rose again to give us eternal life, and our hope is that God loves us eternally and died for us so that we might have relationship with him. Those are just four, four of a pantheon of um, religions in the world, and they, they they are not equal. One of them denies a God existence completely. The other says, oh, there's a God, and he's very personal, and another says, you might become a God. All paths up the mountain are not equal, folks, and uh, inasmuch as the world wants us to believe that, the reality is the world... Um, denies that which with its own plethora of choices okay um, so which path do we choose um, this is a question that um, even jesus's disciples asked if you ever have wandered through the world or you are now and you're like i don't know what i don't know which path to take i have no idea of all of the options out there which one is the path i should be on And so maybe in your life history, you have sampled a handful of the religious offerings of the world and you were searching for something. And there are a lot of people that we know that are searching for the right path. They're trying this and they're trying that and it's a fad diet and it's this kind of action. And if you wear this bracelet and say these prayers, if you just show up at this location in the world and walk around something, then you can be made pure. And all of these things that the world will say. Which path do we be on? Now, um, Jesus' disciples actually asked this question, okay? He says, how will we know the way? That's one of the disciples to Jesus. How how are we going to know which way to go? And this is where we want to look at what Scripture says. Um, So if you're following along, here's some verses on the screen for you. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Make known to me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. So, at bare minimum, if you have no idea which path to take, and you're willing and open to any idea the world has to offer, why not ask God? God, which, if you are God, at the top of the mountain, and even if you don't know which God or what God looks like or what God's word says, God says just ask. And he will reveal to you wisdom and teach you the path to go. And I guarantee you the God of the Bible will not lead you astray. He will set you on a good path. John 14, Jesus' own words. Jesus said to him, in direct response to which path should I take? Jesus, how do we know where to go? Jesus said, I am the way. He's the way to go. I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is laying out the very clear reality, according to the word of God, there is but one path, and it is through Jesus. There's not multiple paths up the mountain. They are not all equal. There is one, um, and uh, Jesus is very clear about that. Then in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. The wide gate leads to destruction, and it's wide. Many take it. The narrow gate leads to life, but few take it. So Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the way to life is narrow. It's it's less traveled. Two roads diverged, right? And I took the one less traveled by, to quote Robert Frost, if I get that right, I love that poem because it gives you the idea. There's these two paths in front of you. One of them is wide and beautiful and out in the open. The other one is a little more narrow and a little less run down. Uh, and, and it just kind of looks harder. But Jesus is saying the narrow one is far better for life. The last verse here. John eight twelve. Jesus speaking. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. If we walk down the one path that Jesus is calling us to walk down, not the multitudes, but the one. We have promised that he will give us wisdom along the way. It will be an excellent journey on that narrow road. It will lead to life and the light with Jesus. And that is something that we all are striving for. We all want that. We're all searching for something. This is something that God has promised to us. There is only one path, only one way towards God. And scripture makes this abundantly clear. It is revealed to us by Jesus, and his name is Jesus. And that is the only path. There are not a multitude that are equal. There is one, and his name is Jesus. That's the biblical truth nugget number one. Here's falsehood, okay? If we believe that there's a God mountain and many paths up the mountain, and they are all equal, then is truth absolute? Can we know something is absolutely true? Because all of those religions that we just talked about contradict one another. So how can it be true for you if my truth and your truth directly counteract one another? You believe there is no God. I believe there is a personal God. They cannot both be true, can they? And so we struggle in our world. And we just decide we don't want to enter into that debate. And so we say, whatever's good for you is good for you. And it can be your truth. And whatever is good for me can be good for me. And it will be my truth. And our truths do not need to intersect. They can run parallel to each other. And so you end up with Many equal truths. Many absolute truths that people ascribe to. See, even if we disagree and if our paths are completely contradictory, that's got to be okay, right? Because we don't want to be politically incorrect. We don't want to step on people's toes. We don't want to make people angry and we don't want to lose friends or family members. So we say, whatever's good for you is good for you. Whatever's good for me is good for me. There cannot be a 100% true existence where there is no personal creator God and at the same time a 100% true existence where there is a personal creator God. The two cannot exist together. There must be one truth. Um, And so um, from all of the paths um, uh, that we have to choose from, which one is true? And how do we know which one to cling from? Jesus has told us there is uh, one path, right? And it is his name. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, right? So there's one path, the way, Jesus. There is one truth, Jesus, okay? And he is saying, I am the way, I am the way you should walk. I am the truth, I am the absolute, I am the 100%, all of the time, totally truthful, there is nothing contradictory in my nature. I am the absolute truth, no matter what anybody else says, I am the final because I have created everything. I have spoken everything into being. I am literally by character truth is what Jesus is saying. Beyond that, he's also the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. This is a very strong statement. Um, 1 John 5, 20. We know the Son has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. He is the true God, God and the eternal life. We know, we believe as Christians that Jesus Christ is the son of God revealed to us in personal form and he came to give us understanding so that we can know him and have relationship with him and know that he is the true God, the living God, the one who gives us eternal life. There are no other gods besides me, God says. I am the God that is over everything else you could believe in. I am the supreme God and I am 100% true. of the time. Religious leaders, though, claim to, um, if you just pick any religious system, they claim to lead you towards something, right? It wouldn't be a religious system. You have to be classified under a 501c3 standard to be a religion. It wouldn't be a religious system if you didn't have a leader who could claim, I'm leading you towards something, right? And so um, when you look at the religious leaders of various systems around the world through the histories... They have not themselves been able to attain the things that they say they are leading their followers to um, because they are human, right? They do not have, they are not a deity. Jesus is the only one down through history who said, I can lead you to the Father because I and the Father are one. I can lead you somewhere because I have been there And if I'm going there, I will make a place for you, and I will come back and get you. You cannot follow someone who has never been somewhere before. They're not leading you. You're on a journey together at that point. You need a leader in your faith who has been there, who has blazed the trail, who has knocked down the obstacles and says, I've been through this, and I will lead you through this with my strong right arm. And that's what Jesus says. Um, You know, I ran across a really interesting... um, as I was researching some other faith systems of the world, um, you guys are familiar with the Dalai Lama, yep. okay? Um, not a Lama, for those of you who aren't familiar, okay? Um, he's, he's a religious leader. Um, I, when I was younger, that's what I thought. I, 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 so just, I just wanted to clarify that. Um, but I ran across some really interesting um, articles and he, he's got this beautiful way of talking It's just very um, elegant and peaceful and, and people are very much attracted to this kind of dialogue. But in one of um, these interviews that I read with him, and I forget who he was interviewing, but they were dialoguing back and forth about his understanding of uh, achieving nirvana, achieving the top of the mountain, as it were. And he himself admitted, though he is the leader of this, and he is the reincarnated leader, so this happens generation after generation, he, the person dies and the reincarnated soul, which we don't believe in Christianity, came to be in another body, and that person starts to lead the religious system again. Okay? Um, through generations and cycles and cycles of this, the Dalai Lama was the first to admit, humbly, and I kind of, I kind of dig him for this, I haven't reached it yet. Um, and yet all of his followers look to him to lead the way to something he doesn't even know personally yet. And so when I look at that, I think, man, there's no hope there. If the one who's been being reincarnated for hundreds and hundreds of years has not yet achieved it, what hope do I have of ever coming close to anything that could be hopeful for me. When you look at Jesus, he says, not only am I the son of God, I've come from the father and I've come to earth, but I'm going back and I will bring you with me. He's been there and been back and going back and he's there right now. And scripture says he is interceding for us currently in the throne room. He's the one that can offer us the hope because he's already been there. He's blazed the trail. And to me, that is very, very exciting. Jesus Um, unlike any other religious leader that has lived through history at any given point or any religious leader that could crop up in the near future he is the only one who can take his claims of I am the son of God I have certain abilities because God and I are one he is the only one who's taken those claims and backed them up 100% 100% of the time I can heal people Jesus healed people bring people back from the dead Jesus brought people back from the dead I can uh, multiply fishes and loves like you've never seen before. Jesus multiplies fishes and loves like you've never seen. I can forgive sins, and if you don't believe me, let me heal this guy, and then I'm going to forgive the sins. He backed everything up with actual proof by his actions and words that he was who he said he was, um, ultimately uh, with his death, burial, and resurrection, raising himself from the dead under his own power bodily, not in spirit form. But bodily to walk the earth again, appearing in front of 500 people at a time, breaking bread with people, he is the real deal, folks. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And truth can only be known with 100% certainty by knowing a 100% certain God, and his name is Jesus. He is the way, and he is the truth. Here's the third thing this thing teaches us. Claiming your path is the best must be arrogant, right? Right? Like this is why Christians don't share their faith that often because you don't want to be called a bigot or um, arrogant or you don't want to be politically incorrect or you don't want to lose business in your job, right? Because if you say there is only one God and his name is Jesus and nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus, the world kind of looks at you and says, you want to know what? You're arrogant and narrow-minded and you don't love people because your words are harsh and they exclude me. They don't include me. And so Christians over time have become very reticent to share their faith because they don't want to be called arrogant or bigoted or narrow-minded or politically incorrect by excluding the multitude of other absolute truths that exist out there. So we need to wrestle with this one. As Christians, are we confident enough in our faith, knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, to speak boldly yet lovingly the truth about one path and one truth? Um... The misconception of the world and the fear of Christians is that we will sound arrogant, okay? And let me say it this way. If, as a Christian, you walk around to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and you say, I follow Jesus, and I'm the best because my God is the best. And you don't follow God, therefore you are not the best. My way is the best way. What? I would say you're a sinful Christian, and you need to repent of saying things that are hurtful and harmful. They might be true, but we've talked about truth in love speaking, right? In the past couple weeks, we talked about love a lot and how there are loving things to say and there are loving ways to say truth and we need not hurt people while we speak the truth, right? So there are better ways to go around telling people about the narrow gate and the one-way truth in life rather than being completely arrogant and shoving them away. And We need to wrestle with that. Um, if we are um, being honest with ourselves, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. and we need to express that to people very clearly. That um, we have come to understand in our own personal lives, as Christians, that we are—we're uh, not better than anybody else, right? In fact, if you read Paul's words, he's the first to tell you, "I'm the worst of sinners. I am the worst," is what Paul said in the gospel. But if God can use somebody like me, Paul said, there's hope for anybody because I'm the worst. And so he was giving us hope. This is kind of the approach that we need to take, that we realize where we stand in relationship with this great creator God who set a standard of holiness for us to follow. And when we sinned, we fell from that. Yet God in his love extended us grace, which we didn't deserve. It was a free gift and he gave it to us. And he said, I want to lift you back up out of sin and give you a life to lead that is great. But when you talk with other people, would you tell them how much I love them? And would you tell them where you came from so that they know there is hope and that this narrow gate is available to them and that they can just start walking with you and I will help them? That's a far better way than to go up to someone and say, you're a sinny sinner and my way's better and Jesus says you're going to hell because that's a surefire way to turn people away from God and that's not exactly what Jesus wants you to do. Um, I don't think Jesus ever walked up to anybody in scriptures and says, you're a sinny sinner and you're going to hell. Okay? So I don't think he wants his followers to do the same. The problem is, in our world, we have a fatal illness, right? And it's called sin. Everyone in this world has contracted this illness called sin. And um, us who have prescribed, uh, us who have um, ascribed to what the Bible says is true, us who call ourselves Christians, we've obtained a cure for our sin-sick soul. Um, and yet we withhold it from people and not only that but we do a disservice we make people think it tastes bad when we speak about God in this arrogant fashion God is in no way arrogant in fact um, Christianity is far from exclusive people will look at us and like it's an exclusive club that you have to be perfect to get into first you have to have your life right before you can come to church You have to sort things out, right? You have to help yourself before God will help you. That's what the world thinks. And we play into that when we come to church and we talk about our perfect lives. And it teaches other people that their life must be perfect before they join us. We're just a bunch of broken sinners in desperate need of grace from God's hand, right? And so um, Christianity is not exclusive or arrogant. Its doors are open to anyone with any past or any present or any future who simply wants to know the living God. Um, other religions and faith systems make you grovel, they make you work for it, they make you pay lots of money to attain whatever the next status is, they make you slave your whole life away, only to, in all of the systems, have a limited hope and a minute just fraction of the knowledge that maybe next time around you will be one step closer. God. That's what the world will teach you. Christianity says listen, there's there's a better way. Um, God, Christ, is the only one of all religions in the world who offers you what you need so badly for free. And that's what people struggle with. There's got to be a catch. There's no catch. God loves you and he wants to spend time with you. The catch is, do you want to spend time with him? That's the only hindrance that you would have. Do you want to spend time with God? Here's what God says about his love for you. John fourteen six. Jesus said, I'm repeating this one over and over and over again, so by the end of the service you'll have it memorized. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And people will use that verse and say, see, I told you your God was narrow-minded. There's no room for me in this. If he is the only way and I prescribe to another way, then I can't be involved in your way because our ways contradict. You must not love me, your God must not love me. I wash my hands of your God and they move on. But this is a wide open path. 2 Corinthians 8-9 You know the grace of Jesus. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that through him you might become rich. And we're not talking dollars and cents here. We're talking about the richness of knowing that God loves you and your past sins are not held against you. And that no matter what you've done or where you've been or what you've said or who you've hung out with or the things that you're going to do 10 years from now that you don't even know about, God's already got that covered by grace. And it was done in the way where Jesus up in heaven said, we've got to do something about this. I'm going to go to earth. I'm going to humble myself, put flesh on my body. I'm going to go to earth. I'm going to walk with these people. I'm going to talk with these people. I'm going to touch their sick bodies. I'm going to speak into their broken hearts. And I'm going to demonstrate grace to them so that they can spend some time with us for eternity. He wanted to do it through relationship and humility. The Son of Man did not come to be served. God's not arrogant. He's not saying this is the best way. He's saying, listen, I'm coming to serve you, not to make you serve me. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, No other leader of faith has been able to say this and then do this and succeed in coming back from the dead. That's Matthew 20, 28. Jesus is the only one who has the authority to offer you life, eternal, at the top of the mountain, because he is the only one who was able to lay his life down in your place and take his life back up again for you. Jesus is literally the way to walk, the truth that you cling on to, and the life by which you lead. Okay? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Lee Strobel, uh, I'm going to put this up here. There is only one path to God. Okay? His name is Jesus. Lee Strobel, are you guys familiar with his name? Um, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about who he is. He's a former atheist, like really didn't like God. Okay. Was against God in many ways, shapes, and forms. Okay. He had his heart set fully against God. And yet he was challenged to, he was an investigative reporter, I think for the New York Times. Is that right? Somebody know New York Times? I think New York Times. Um, and he was challenged to investigate the claim of Jesus, from a purely factual standpoint, looking at the Bible, but he didn't believe this, so it was no greater than any other resource he would have, doing all of the research of the extra-biblical and historical documents that existed. And um, after all of his research, he wrote a book called The Case for Christ. If you've not read it, it's a really great book. Pick up a copy, okay? It's an excellent book. But here's what happened. In the process of researching Christ, to disprove his claims, to disprove Christ as the Messiah, Um, he actually came to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And here's what he says. Christianity is unique. It cannot be reconciled with any other religion. It backs up its truth claims with the credentials and the credibility of Jesus Christ, and it cannot be duplicated by any other spiritual leader. This is why Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. History does not laugh. History has been revolutionized by Jesus. Jesus came to blaze a trail for sin-sick people like you and me. And so we have to ask ourselves the question this morning, have you been revolutionized by Jesus? Have you come to understand the way, the truth, and the life, and not just intellectually know, but have you applied the way, the truth, and the life to your inner soul and your outer being and the way you live your life? Do you cling on to absolute truth in a world where there are multitudes of ways? Or have you added something to Jesus to make you feel better about the way that you live your life? It is not Jesus plus whatever you want to climb the mountain. It is Jesus and you, period. And that is what he means when he says the way, the truth, and the life. So, as we close in prayer now, I'm going to pray that God would reveal to my heart and you can just come along with me for the journey of my prayer, okay? Any areas in which I have added to Jesus in me because I don't need anything else. In fact, those things are going to take away from my ability to follow the Lord completely and I don't want those things in my life and if they are there, I want God to reveal them to me. I likewise want God to do the same for your heart. If there is something that you have worked in as a system of religion that is not the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus, we need to confess those things before God in prayer life and allow him to remove those things so that when we are climbing the mountain, if we slip and fall, the thing that we solely trust to save us is the rope of Jesus Christ. It is the only thing that will suspend our weight and the weight of our burdens. Let's pray. Father, um, your word tells us That you are the way, the truth, and the life. That there is no way to the Father in heaven except through you. And yet we go about this life kind of like a magnet. And we walk through and we hear things we go, that sounds kind of good. I, I think that kind of is like what Jesus says. I mean, Buddha teaches some of the same things. That Jesus teaches so I can listen to Buddha and I can listen to Jesus and I'm still a Christian because I follow Jesus I've just added some stuff because I like how it sounds And we walk through life and the longer we walk the more things stick to us because we want them to But Lord the more things stick to us the further down we've pushed you and the further away we've pushed you Because we're trusting in those things and in our hands not in you to lead us Your word tells us in the Psalms that you are a good shepherd and that we are the sheep of your field and that if we follow you the way, the truth, and the life, the good shepherd, you lead us beside cool waters and great pastures and you keep the enemy at bay and you protect us and defend us and challenge us and encourage us. And when we root ourselves in you, Father, we find there's no other path that offers what you have to offer. Lord, would you reveal to our hearts now the ways in which we have attracted things and received things that are not true? Would you point them out to our heart right in this very moment so that we can go, I I had no idea I believed that. And would you loosen our grip on those things so that when it comes down to it, we trust you 100% for our life and our soul. And would you humble our hearts, Father, so that when we have conversations with people, who are of different faiths and walk a different path. We do not come at them angry or arrogant or treating them like they're less because, Father, they are made in your image and they are lost sheep whom you care so deeply for. And we, too, ought to care as deeply for lost sheep as you do. We were once lost sheep, Father. You have saved us. We are walking by grace on the narrow path. Would you help us find ways to invite people? onto the narrow path. First, Father, work in our hearts. Give us grace and truth that we might hold on to it. And keep us in your way as we walk. We pray this in your Son's name.